Last week I concluded a series on the Lord's Prayer, which you just heard the choir so beautifully sing, the Lord's Prayer. We did a seven-part look at that series. But before we put that behind us completely, I'm not quite through wringing out that towel. I think there's something else here that we can benefit from. In that series, we ran twice into the notion of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And before we leave the vicinity, I want us to think about the kingdom of God a little deeper, a little more thoroughly. Although in just this three-part mini-series that I'm launching entitled Your Kingdom Come, this is part one, uh, don't miss next week's, we're going to be there talking about living in the kingdom. We won't be touching all the aspects. There's no way. There's so much there. There's such a major theme. There's so many places in the scripture. But hopefully we'll get something that will be beneficial for life and for practice. And so we're going to look at a couple of passages here in our scripture reading. We're going to start with First Chronicles chapter 29. And then we're going to be looking at a passage from Revelation 12.10. And then one more look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. First Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God And the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them day and night before our God. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, reading from the authorized version. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Father, we ask you now that you would give us facility, that you would give us the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit, that we might understand little more about the nature and the power and the promise of your kingdom. Father, we might, Lord, long for its coming. And Lord, with your help, do that which might even hasten that kingdom. Lord, bring it sooner, more powerfully. And Father, we ask this now in the name of your Son, the one who with you 
is establishing the kingdom. And we'll see it until it's just and glorious end. Father, one day, we ask you now for this help in his name and for his sake. Amen. When Jesus was on earth, he taught and said a lot of things that were very controversial. Kicked up a lot of dust. Stirred up a lot of concern and anxiety. And one of the things that he talked about the most was this notion of the kingdom of God. Now that wasn't a new concept to Jewish followers of God. But the way that Jesus talked about it was very perplexing. It got him in trouble with the spiritual professionals, the the rabbis, the leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees of his day. And it also caused no small quandary to the minds of his own disciples. They were confused about things, different things he said about the kingdom. Sometimes it sounded like he was saying this. Sometimes it sounded like he was saying something that almost seemed to contradict that. We know that it wasn't, but it seemed that way to them. There was a lot of confusion but it was something that Jesus kept talking about. Kept talking about his role in bringing that kingdom and how that kingdom would come and what it would accomplish and what it would do. Why was it so controversial? What did it mean? What does it have to do with you and me today, right here where we are? Well, today we're going to be looking at the kingdom. Next week, we're going to talk about living in the kingdom. But this week, we're going to talk about looking at the kingdom. In other words, kind of a way of saying, let's try to get an overall bird's eye view of what the kingdom is. And to do that, we're going to use this simple uh, interrogative uh, set of questions to get to that and break it down. What is the kingdom, when's the kingdom, and where's the kingdom? So what is it, when is it, and where is it? All right, with that in mind, let's look at what's the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, as it's referred to always in the gospel of Matthew, and the kingdom of God are synonymous. They are the same thing. They're two different terms which refer to the rule and reign of God. But the term in Matthew was used heavens as a substitute for the term God. You should you know if you if you understand a lot of how times had come in the Old Testament and how concerned they were not misusing the name of God often they would put things that would suggest that but would not say that and so kingdom of heaven but it's another way of talking about the kingdom of God the two are equal and God does reign of course in heaven but he also rules and reigns on earth matter of fact remember what did we 
that we, one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer is, Your kingdom come. That's where this title comes from. And what? Your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. We know it's done in heaven, but the kingdom is all about bringing the life of heaven to earth. Bringing its light, bringing its truth, bringing its glory to this humble planet that was part of the plan and purpose of God from the beginning. So the concept of the kingdom originates where? In the New Testament? We hear a lot more about it there. No, it doesn't originate there. It goes way back in the Old Testament. The word kingdom was used in the Old Testament in two major ways, significantly. One way would be to refer to what we call God's sovereignty, to being a sovereign king. Or cosmic ruler, one who has a universal or cosmic reign, the reign of God, the sovereignty of God over all things and all people and all of his creation. That's found in verses like Psalm 103, verse 19. Listen, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So that's a Generic, general kingship over all of his creation, all of his creatures. That's one way in which we could speak of the kingdom. But there's another sense, and a much more specific sense, that occupied the minds of so many of the Old Testament authors. And there was something that they were looking for and anticipating that was coming. And that second sense in which we speak about the kingdom, even in the Old Testament, was the hope of the future establishment of a redemptive or messianic kingdom. A kingdom that would specifically be brought and established through God's appointed servant to accomplish his renewing purposes in the person of a savior king that we call the Messiah. So specifically, the kingdom of God in the Old Testament was a hope that one day such a savior king would come. And bring about and usher in a new changed world. A renewed world in which dwells righteousness. That such figure was prophesied many places. One of those prominently was the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2 verses 44. Listen. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. That shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all of these other kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it, that kingdom, the messianic kingdom, shall stand forever. 
there'll be no ending. It will triumph. And the Old Testament figures and scholars and writers and prophets and seers, they saw that. They knew that. But it hadn't come. And they were waiting for it and longing for it. Daniel goes on to tell them more about that specific king of that kingdom that would come. But although both senses of the term kingdom apply, and they are both very important truths, both, both the general kingship of God and rule over all sovereignty, and this messianic kingdom that is a redemptive salvation kingdom, that is both of those senses are true, but it's the latter one that Jesus fulfills in his coming and in the Gospels. As we see Jesus beginning to come in doing his ministry here on earth, and he walks on earth in the, in the dirt of Palestine, and we hear things like this coming from his lips or from those that were following him and recording. Matthew's Gospel tells us, that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 9.35 and also Matthew 4.23. Twice that's repeated in Matthew's gospel. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus himself introduces his mission with these words. The time... Is fulfilled. In other words, you've been waiting for it. It's here now. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's right around the corner. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel. It's good news about a coming king and the kingdom that he brings that will be forever and will eclipse all other kingdoms. So the kingdom of God, what is it? It is the redemptive reign of God brought to earth by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to overcome evil Deliver his people from its power and bring them into the blessings of his gracious reign and rule. Now that's it in a nutshell. Now you know what I would call that? Good news. <laughs> that's good news that God's not going to leave forever this broken world broken. He made it good. We broke it. He's going to fix it through his, the man of his appointment, the man Christ Jesus. The son of David, the greater son of David that would come, the son of man that will fulfill the prophecies and establish that kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom. That's good news. It's the good news or the gospel of the kingdom. And that, my friends, is world-changing stuff. Being a part of that, having a piece of that, belonging to that, being connected to that through Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's the only way you can be. It's not something automatic. He, God sovereignly reigns over all his creation, but this is his redemptive creation 
brought about by those that put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Now the question next comes that's very important is and very confusing in some respects is that of when? Okay, so that kingdom is coming, has come, will come. So is the kingdom of God past? Is it present? Or is it something still to come in the future? You know the answer, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all of those. Let's break it down in those three parts. We could call the first one the inauguration of the kingdom. The inauguration of the kingdom happened when? Almost 2,000 years ago. By the way, by the time Daniel's prophecies and others had been, had been uh, they were steeping in the minds of the Jewish leaders and faithful in the past, they had, they had gotten a clear sense that, that those time, that whatever that time period God was talking about in Daniel, it seems to be when you start looking at it, we ought to be getting real close. It ought to be right coming soon. And you know what? They were right. They were absolutely right. It was. It was time for the Messiah to appear and to inaugurate his kingdom. And in Jesus, what do we see? In his incarnation, in his coming to this world, we see the kingdom of God touch down in first century Palestine. The kingdom the king of the kingdom coming. In Matthew 12, 2, the, by the way, the gospel writers recognized that a new day had dawned once Jesus entered the scene. They knew it. They knew that this, this changed everything. In Matthew 12, 2, Jesus said, but if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then, then, the kingdom of God has come upon you. He is saying, if I'm able to do this, if I'm able to defeat the powers of darkness and control them, this is telling you what's been promised is here now. And I'm the one bringing it. I'm the one bringing it. It's proof that the kingdom has come. You have to, don't have to say, well, where is it? How do we know? Jesus said, when you see something like that happen, when you see people being raised from the dead and, and people being having demons cast out and crushing the power of darkness and bringing my light, that is a sign that the kingdom of God is here. Listen to these words by uh, George Eldon Ladd uh, on the kingdom. And here he, he really kind of personalizes this and says it's not just a concept. This is what, what really came when Jesus came. This is what really happened. He said, the mission of Jesus brought not a new teaching, but a new, entirely new event into human history. It brought two people. It brought to people an, an actual foretaste of the coming future salvation in the age to come. Jesus did not promise the forgiveness of sins. He bestowed it. He didn't just say, hey, one day, 
I'm going to take care of this. No, he bestowed it. You're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He did not simply ensure people of a future fellowship in the kingdom. He invited them into fellowship with himself as the bearer of the kingdom. He didn't merely provide vindication on the day of judgment. He bestowed on them a a status of present righteousness. Yes, we're still sinful, but we're declared righteous by what Jesus did. And he not only taught an eschatological, that means last things, for deliverance from physical evil, he went about demonstrating the redeeming power of the kingdom, delivering people from sickness and even death. When that happened, the kingdom had come definitively, definitively. The whole mission of Jesus includes his words, his deeds, his death, his resurrection. And it constituted the initial defeat of satanic power. And it will make the final defeat and certainty of God's triumph sure. Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, when his disciples were sent out and they were casting out demons with his power, And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Bam! Smash crashes into the earth. Like a shooting star going down. A comet flaming out. That was the power that Jesus brought in his first coming. And he bound Satan and limited him. But Story isn't over. From that time until now is the continuation of the kingdom. So that was the inauguration 2,000 years ago. But now, where are we now? Right now. We're in the continuation of that kingdom. And that kingdom has done some amazing things that aren't usually given credit to it. People go around thinking all this stuff that we, is that is good, they just think it just kind of somehow sprung full-blown from the head of Zeus out of nowhere. No. <laughs> if you could trace it back, it's an absolute, I just got through reading a book that, that just showed the impact of what Christianity, what the gospel, what the kingdom has done to this world and what a hellhole it would be. If you think it's bad now, you've seen nothing of what it would have been without the presence of the kingdom. From that time until now is the continuation of the kingdom. And here's where it gets messy. The timeline between the resurrection, the work of Jesus and his life and death and burial and resurrection, between that time and his second coming, which is promised at the end of the age, that period is a period of overlapping ages. Things that fold over onto one another. Not a clean line, break, stop, something else. No. Let me try to illustrate this. I think we got a slide up there. I think, yeah. Okay. This age and the age to come. Here's the timeline for this age or the old age. 
But the promise of the Bible is that there is an age to come. It goes on from here. The kingdom is already, and yet it's not yet. But the overlap is here. You see, this kingdom, the old kingdom, the anticipation of the king come, but it was the old order of things, the old kingdom, the old age. And Jesus came here, his life, his death, and his ascension. And one day he's coming again in the second coming, and this is where we live in this overlap of the ages with this dotted line. At the second coming of Christ, we'll usher in the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the kingdom. But this is where we live. This is the overlap in which there are both wheat and tares. In which there are kingdom powers at work, powerfully changing, saving, delivering, breaking the back of darkness and injustice. But it's also still the old age. We're still in it too. And it's still full of sin and darkness and oppression and injustice. Both of those are going on simultaneously. That's why Jesus said in one of his parables, he told Rick, Rick uh, just recently taught about that, the parables of the kingdom. And one of those was about not going in and plucking out the tares the unwanted stuff, because if you did, you end up pulling up a lot of wheat too in the process. And Jesus said, let it, let it, let it ride. Time is coming. God will sort that out. He will. He's got a time. He's got a place for that here. But in the meantime, this is where we're living in the overlap between the cross and the parousia or the second coming of Christ. So, that's what I mean by that continues. But here's another cool truth. As I said, the church lives between those times. The old age keeps going on with all of its sin and darkness. But something has happened with the coming of Jesus. The forces of the new age, the power of the new age that he brought with something like a halo jump behind enemy lines. Some of you in this military community know exactly what that is. A high altitude, low pull to come in secretly and get in a strategic position. That's what happened with the coming of Jesus. It was, in many cases, overlooked, missed, but something had started that would ultimately change and reverse everything. And it's in that place that we find ourselves living in the midst of that. But that's not the end. It was inaugurated when Jesus came. It's still going on in this in-between times. We're living in the gap of these ages. The overlap. Not the gap, but the overlap. But one day. One day. Is Matsua saying about the consummation of the kingdom will come and Jesus returns to make 
all things new. All things new. The age to come will commence, and in its fullness, in that latter part, the age to come, and in the fullness of that time, heaven will come to earth. Will come down to earth, and heaven and earth will be one. Listen to this passage, Revelation 12, 21, 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That day is coming. That day is promised. And that day will arrive. So, where's the kingdom? <laughs> Told you a little bit about what's the kingdom. Told you a little bit about when's the kingdom. But where is it? So, where's the kingdom? Is it here? Or is it there? I see somebody right pointing up at the, at the sky. Okay, is it here or there? Is it heaven or is it earth? Well, the answer again is what? Yes. <laughs> both. It's both. You see, understanding that inheriting the kingdom of God is not just about going to heaven when we die. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's part of it. We will go to the paradise or to heaven in its present form when we die, if Jesus does not return. But it is so much more than that. It is also how we live our lives right now on earth as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Do you get that? What? When you ask the question, where is the kingdom? It's right here. It's, we're supposed to be colonizing this planet with the life of heaven because of what Jesus has done to free us from our sins and save us from what we deserved and sets us free to be with him advancing the kingdom and bringing it building it along with him as partnering, as Paul so often talks about in the metaphor. And in the end game, as I just said a few moments ago, he brings back heaven to earth. There's not going to be forever a heaven and an earth. There's going to be the coming together of a new heavens and earth both glorious different beyond what we can comprehend next week we're going to discover or look at what it means to live in the kingdom living in the kingdom we've looked at it today we'll look at living in it stay tuned let's pray father
for this stuff is 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 mind blowing what you have in store you've told us that mind eyes have not seen or ears have heard or even entered into the thought of man the things which you prepared for those that love you and father thank you that you've sent jesus and provided the way by trusting in him that we can be a part and citizens of this kingdom that has come that is coming and will come one day into a glorious resolution and fullness and consummation that is beyond our wildest dreams. So, Father, until that day, help us to live in the kingdom faithfully. Show us more about that, we ask in Jesus' name.